0: It's fair to say there's plenty to get our teeth into this week. If you come back into power and you immediately re-register something, I I just don't see it happening. I think once it's gone, it's going to be a very, very long road to get it re-registered.
1: Unfortunately, the pig industry in the UK has declined so much in recent years.
0: We know we need trade deals to be favourable. Getting our voice heard is going to be very, very challenging.
2: And that's before we react to the general election result. The Week in Agriculture.
1: This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
2: Hello. It was Open Farm Sunday. Sunday just gone. A chance to see just what goes on behind those farm gates. Something, of course, we do here on the programme week in, week out. Farmers from across our area open their gates. But what was the aim? Rob Pisani went to the Allerton Project to find out with Phil Jarvis.
3: Well, uh, Open Farm Sundays are a national uh, scheme that's open to uh, anybody who farms in the country. It's been going for about uh, eleven years now, and I think they've had nearly over two million people have visited farms in that time. So it's uh, it's a great way of getting people out into the countryside to have a look at some farms. I suppose, in a way, it's it's like
4: opening up the countryside, really.
3: Yeah, the, there's a great story with farming. I mean, it's basically it's, you know, it feeds us in in the in the country, and and uh, and sometimes uh, you know it. it what goes on on a farm and, you know, the machinery and the animals and that, you know, it, it's, not, it's, it, it's, it's a progressive science as well, the way we grow our food. And it's really good to sort of open up that story and let other people who don't normally come across the rural landscape and let them come and have a look at what we do.
4: And I suppose in a way, um, you know, with farming being literally every single day of, of the year, it's, it's a chance for farmers maybe to take stock and actually, you know, invite people in. And, and for them to appreciate for, through other people's eyes what, what they do too.
3: Yeah, and I, I think sometimes you know, in any job really, sometimes you know, you you can drive your tractor, or you can look after your animals, and especially when there's not a lot of people employed in 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 in, in you know for the scale of of, of the land we've got that. Uh, sometimes saying hey you know we've got a good story to share with people it, it is a good chance to just turn around and this time of year is usually quite a good time of year it's a bit blustery today but uh, you know it's a good time of year to show people what's going on in the countryside you know the trees are all out in in, in full leaf you know the crops are, are looking well and uh, the animals tended to be eating a lot of grass around and just incidentally whilst it's blowing like this and it's raining like this farmers do need some water for the crops to grow as well
1: Now,
4: your farm is is a little bit different in in the way that it it approaches things on a a daily basis, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. So, I mean, out in the countryside, there's not only uh, food production that we're after, but um, we're also looking after the environment. So the shop floor, the soil, so soil health, really key to us. Landscape as well, so trees, you know, watercourses, any, and so that whole balance between food production and environment. We spend a lot of time and uh, looking at both those, uh, you know, um, ways of um, producing food and looking after the environment, and, and they go hand in hand really.
2: Phil Jarvis of the Allerton Project, one of many who took part in Open Farm Sunday this year. Many in the industry are saying events such as Open Farm Sunday are now more crucial than ever and that the importance of British food and farming is higher up the agenda when we're out doing the shopping. Tom Bradshaw is part of the NFU Crop Board. We'll talk Brexit in a moment. First, those concerns over glyphosate and a possible re-registering at the end of the year, possibly a 10-year extension, though that's only a proposal at the moment. Tom believes any extension will come with strings attached. I
0: mean, to me, I genuinely believe the product is safe. Uh, It's incredibly important for the way I farm, which is working with nature, conservation, agriculture. Uh, So I think it's really, really important. Uh, I I believe that sense will be seen and it will be re-registered, but I still believe that there is going to have to be a bit of give and take. And it wouldn't surprise me if we did lose the use of pre-harvest glyphosate. But I think we will end up with at least a 10-year re-registration. It should be for a full... 15 year period in my book, but uh, I think that to get to get one of the countries to change their mind there might have to be a bit of a negotiation process. do you think
2: the industry's been vocal enough you know we've not many months left to go is there between now and the, the interview
0: I do I think we've done a great job as an industry in, in really raising our voice particularly on social media um, I think yeah we, we, we can't one of the things I said to my crops board is that we don't want to get to the end of the year and say we should have done more. And I genuinely believe now that we, we have, we've, we've really made our voice heard. Uh, we continue to do that. And we've, say, got another important few months ahead of us. Um, so I don't think we, we really could have looked at farmers to do a lot more. I think that they, they have been really active and it's been great to see everyone getting involved. Do, do you think out on the street, People know what glyphosate is, they understand the importance of it? I don't think they do. And I I mean to be fair, if a doctor walked up to me and said, do you know what this active ingredient is in a medicine? I'd say no. And so I don't I don't expect people to know what glyphosate is. But what I do expect them to say, a farmer's using this product, it's been proven to be safe, I'm happy with that. If a doctor gives me a medicine, I, I assume it's safe. And that's what I expect, is that the public should support science. To support the way we produce our food. And if they don't, as I say, they've got the option of, be, of buying organic food. And that is a very, very valid option. And if the, if the demand for organic food was to rise, then we will produ- produce for that market.
2: Of course, the Brexit negotiation is about to resume or start properly. Um, where do you think we stand as, as, as an industry, the UK farming industry, with, with what the next two years has in store for us?
0: I think it's not just the next two years. For no. me, we've got a, a 10-year period coming forward where you know, the future of our industry has really been created over this period. Um, you know, we, need, we know we need trade deals to be favourable, but you know, I think getting our voice heard is going to be very, very challenging. And what I think the, the the route to success for me is to getting the support of the British public. And if if they walk into a supermarket and they are looking for British product, then that to me is going to mean Brexit will be a success. If we're trying to compete on a world marketplace, um, uh, you know, world prices, I think that could be very challenging.
2: Again, is that message going across? Do people know what the, re- the difference between the red tractor and? A, a made up British farm name?
0: I, I don't think they, the, the message doesn't get across no um, and I, I don't know how we how we do get that message across better but I think that education 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 is really going to be the key. It starts at school, we've got to get into our schools and make sure that school children are understanding and interested in the way food is produced, that milk doesn't come from a bottle and an egg doesn't come from a carton these are real life things and that to me is how we will succeed as an industry is, is if we've got the British public really supporting our, our industry industry. And I don't mean with money necessarily. What I mean is with their hearts. If they want to buy British product, then I think we will be a success. If they're happy to buy the cheapest, then that could be difficult.
2: And back to Glyph's say again, I think some in the industry or some farmers will will believe once we're out of Europe, of course, this is European rule, so we're okay, we can put it back in. But that's not really going to happen, is it?
0: I think you're going to be an incredibly brave government to come into power, um, immediately leave Europe and reinstate products which have been lost within Europe because the message that's going to give to the Green Lobby and let's not pretend there's no Green Lobby in Whitehall because there's a massive Green Lobby in Whitehall as well as Brussels and the message you're going to give to them is if if you come back into power and you immediately re-register something I I just don't see it happening I think once it's gone it's going to be a very very long road to get it re-registered.
2: Tom so Bradshaw there of the NFU Crop Board. The issue of glyphosates is on the agenda for this week's cereals events. Our own Sean Sparling is on a discussion panel talking glyphosates. We'll hear from Sean later in the programme. Still with promoting British farming tied into Open Farm Sunday, and I don't know if you watch uh, Take Me Out, the Paddy McGuinness dating show on Saturday nights on ITV. In the last of the series, last weekend, one of the women, while on a date, revealed she had no idea that bacon came from pigs. I know it's been said by uh, others that uh, some shoppers don't know just where their meat comes from. You know, is is chicken made that way, shrink-wrapped? Well, Ladies in Pigs is one organisation trying to change such attitudes. They're touring the country with their van, promoting all things pigs. So far this month, they've been at both the Suffolk Show and Rutland County Show, with more shows to come through the summer. Gemma Woodall is from Ladies in Pigs.
1: Um, Ladies in Pigs has actually been running um, over 26 years now, um, and it started with a group of pig farmer wives that decided that they wanted to support their husbands in um, advertising and supporting the British pig industry um, to people buying um, high quality, high welfare meat. And as the years have developed, we develop recipe leaflets now, and we cook like we are today in the mobile kitchen, um, showing people how to cook um, pork, different pork cuts, and what to look for when they're buying the pork in the supermarket.
2: And it's diversity as well. I mean, you're talking about um, cookies later on.
1: Absolutely. Um, We've tried the last couple of years. People walk around the shows and by the end of the afternoon three o'clock, all they want is really an ice cream or something sweet. So recently the last couple of years we did chocolate brownies last year with um, a little bit of bacon in and this year we're doing chocolate cookies with bacon in. So it's just a bit of a a twist on the salt and the savoury but it seems to work.
2: I was going to say how does it go down with people?
1: Um, A lot of people look at you and think, are you a little bit crazy? Um, Offering me a cookie with some bacon in but actually i think when they taste it it's one of those um love or hate things a bit like a marmite um and with the sweetness of the cookie and then the salty of the bacon um perfect pair
2: and you say it's it's kind of never been more important to promote British products has it Absolutely, pigs particularly
1: yeah unfortunately the pig industry in the UK has declined so much in recent years Um, lots of uh, of farmers going out of business and it is so crucial that people know where their food is coming from Um, I think you know with recent horsegate scandals and things like that that have gone on we really need to show the general public just what they need to look for when they're in the supermarket there's so many labels that are so contradictory and um, it becomes very difficult when people are shopping, so we are out there basically for education purposes, we talk to the children, we ask them to even you know, we've got a piggy jigsaw at the front of the van we ask them to look for labels on their food and things like that, which will in turn help the parents as well
2: So what should we be looking out for?
1: We should be looking for the red tractor logo so lots of people look for a Union Jack or the word British and actually in our country um, it's a bit misleading because we can import pork and as long as it's sliced or packed in this country, it can be labelled as British or with a Union Jack so the only way is the red tractor sign uh, Farms have to go over 100, 160 standards um, from their farm right the way to the abattoirs and so on um, right up until the cooking process um, to have the red tractor standard and so we try and encourage um, all the general public to be looking for the red tractor and it isn't just on pork products um, but we are here today advertising the pork products.
2: Gemma Woodall of Ladies in Pigs keep a lookout for them at events nationwide over the next few weeks. We've avoided it so far, but we've got to mention the general election, a result not many saw coming, it's fair to say. The CLA says Friday's result adds further uncertainty to a period of significant upheaval and says that their top priority is the interests of the tens of thousands of farmers and other rural business owners that are getting on with their jobs today while the politicians manoeuvre and negotiate. The association says immediate attention will be on the implications of the result for securing a Brexit deal that will work in the long-term interests of agriculture and the wider economy, and they remain confident the right deal can be done. It's a similar message from the NFU as well. Miri Grayman saying that the NFU is committed to start working with the new government in whatever form that government will be to ensure that all areas of Whitehall understand and value the importance of British food and farming. The NFU has a good relationship with all parties and as ever will work with whoever's in power to promote the interests of British farming. Well, of course, as mentioned by the CLA and the NFU, Friday's result could have serious implications on Brexit talks. And I know it's a concern for our economist, Sean Sparling, as
5: well. Good morning. Uh, I hesitate to use that word, good, because I'm not entirely sure it is. I mean, a week ago, we thought this time this week, we would know who was in power, we would know the structure of uh, the government going forward, and we sort of would have an idea of how agriculture was going to be perceived within that structure. Um, seven days on not only have we had 35 mil of rain high winds and got nothing done on the land we end up being in a far worse position than we were seven days ago what an absolute calamity really it's that italian fella on a lower low said what a mistake to a maker and calling that election and running the campaign ah oh, dear anyway It's all good fun. If it wasn't so frightening, so worrying and so important, it would be laughable. Um, I think I might stand next time, because I reckon on the basis of what we've just seen, anybody's going to get in. Um, So all we can hope is whatever shape the government takes over the coming few days, that they understand how important agriculture is going forward, not just for the future of the UK and food production, but also for our standing in the rest of the world, because... UK agriculture is the last big industry this country has to offer. It supports hundreds of thousands of jobs. It brings in millions and millions and millions of pounds of revenue into HMRC every year. Without agriculture, we really are in a mess. So we've always been free to do as we're told. We will do whatever happens. We will work with whoever ends up in power. But I just hope if anybody of influence is listening, they support British agriculture because with the new rules that are coming in in the EU where they're changing the registration of agrochemicals from uh, a risk-based programme to a hazard-based system... Um, It means that we could very easily lose an awful lot of active ingredients, which means yields could fall, which means prices go up, which means we then have to import food from the rest of the world, which costs more than it costs to produce here, is not of as good a quality as we produce here, and will be have chemicals used on it that the EU has banned it's absolutely bizarre the situation we find ourselves in so fingers crossed things will sort themselves out so uh, let's move on big event coming up in Lincolnshire this week at cereals of course Um, as you drive into the car park admire the field of sugar beet on your left because I look after that it looks good it'll have BBRO all over it but uh, it does look a nice piece of beet I must say Um, and If you find your way through to the conference centre on Cereals Ground at about a quarter to twelve on Wednesday morning, I'm involved in a debate. There's myself and Guy Smith from the NFU against the Pesticide Action Network and a an organic farmer, um, with the motion of the debate being this house believes glyphosate should be banned pre-harvest. So it should be quite a lively, interesting debate. Um, I'm always open-minded. I, I will listen to all arguments from all sides. And as long as the science is unbiased and the science is independent, you know we have to accept that. My personal view is glyphosate is absolutely vital. For the future of agriculture, not just in the UK but all over the world. Um, so we will see. Um, it should be very, very lively. And if you're at cereals, come and see me. Come and find me if you want to. go a quick chat. Um, I'll be at the AICC stand, which is next door to NIAB. If you find the soil pit, you'll find me. Um, so let's just talk a bit about agronomy then. As I've touched on, it's been a very difficult week. High winds. We've had 35 mil of rain since Monday. Um, so work hasn't gone to plan really this week so there are people out there who are still struggling to get flag leaf sprays on the later drilled wheats um let alone ear washes and that's where we want to start with really because if you are targeting fusarium ear blight You need to have that fungicide on, whether it be metconazole, prothioconazole or tebuconazole, which are the three actives on fusarium ear blight, that must go on within the first three days of flowering. On the more forward wheats, that period has been and gone. We've missed that boat. The fusarium, if it is in, is already in. And no amount of prothioconazole, tebuconazole or metconazole applied from here on in is going to influence how much fusarium will show up on that ear. At best, you only ever get 50% control in a bad year, from of fusarium ear blight from a perfectly timed fungicide. So if your agronomist is telling you to put a T4, T5 and T6 on, the only diseases you're going to control are foliar diseases and obviously the weather such as it is this is septoria and yellow rust weather. So once again a good triazole, epoxiconazole has cut-offs and this is the thing you need to understand just check the book make sure that the chemicals you're using once you get past flowering you get into grain fill so we get into the 70s there are very few fungicides which are cleared for use past growth stage 75 just double check make sure you are safe and legal because all you're going to do from now on is top up foliar disease control um, Spring barley, awns are out. Flag leaf sprays on spring barley are now going on. Be careful in the heat of the day, as we said. You don't want to scorch the awns. But the barleys and the spring wheats look pretty good. Lindsay's cheered up. But again, sugar beet, still showing all this nutrient deficiency. And as I said last week, it doesn't have to cost you a fortune. Manganese, magnesium, growth stimulant, that will help green up these crops, force them to look for nitrogen, and hopefully we'll start to think about correcting some of the nitrogen deficiencies, which are about because you can't put any more nitrogen on your sugar beet. Potassium deficiency, if you see that, you can use some of these salt mixes, which is like a foliar feed and it does mimic the effect of potassium. And the other thing really is potato blight. If you're growing potatoes, as a professional grower, you know that if it is thundery, humid, hot, it's going to be blight weather. So it doesn't matter whether they call them Smith periods, Beaufort periods, Hutton periods. Use your common sense. The only period you need to be concerned about is the seven-day period between applications. Keep your interval close at seven days. Use products which are capable of keeping your crops clean. Um, We can... It's very interesting to me. We see the science. We try to make a very imprecise science of agriculture very precise. So we come up with all these different uh, analogies for what the right conditions are. If it's hot and humid and thundery, get out and put your blight spray on. Um, And that's it, really. So in five years' time, I shall stand for Parliament and seeing the results of the election this week, I reckon I stand a very good chance of being the Prime Minister.
2: Prime Minister Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. On to grain. Then it's uh, Tom Miller from Open Field this week. Uh, Tom, we just heard uh, Sean obviously talking there about uh, the uh, general election results on Friday. Uh, impacts, of course, the uh, the world of grain as well. Uh, I guess it is too early at the moment to know just what that impact will be.
4: Yes, that's right. I mean, obviously, um, there's still a lot to get through, and uh, we'll see what happens in the coming days. Um, but the biggest thing, really, for the grain markets will be the currency. And we've seen the fluctuations uh, from Thursday night through Friday uh, and that will impact grain prices. I think very early Friday morning uh, it would have added circa 2 or £3 pounds to the November 17 wheat prices. But obviously that could come straight back off again as the currency fluctuates as we go forward and we know more about what's going to happen. Indeed. More on that probably uh, on next
2: week's programme. We might, things might be a little bit clearer. What, uh, What do we know about this week?
4: So, well, uh, USDA and IGC reports due out this week, uh, which combined with trade dinners and the general election has meant that actual market activity in the UK has been slow, giving traders a reason to do nothing. Uh, That being said, the old crop wheat markets appear uh, to be in decline and is converging on new crop, which is garnering support from weather issues around the world. Spring wheat crops in the US and Canada are suffering from hot dry conditions whilst the US winter wheat harvest is reporting variable yields and low proteins. Uh, Ukraine is too dry which may be bad news for their maize and wheat crops uh, whilst it's been cold and wet in Russia which may impair quality and delay harvest. Hot dry conditions in the coming days in the US Midwest is now on the radar be closely watched uh, which could be cause for concern uh, should it continue into the maize pollination period. Dryness prevails in Australia, with early forecasts that wheat and barley production could be a combined 15 million tonnes lower than this season's crop, albeit that was a huge crop. Uh, internationally, Algeria and Saudi Arabia have tendered for a combined 1.25 million tonnes, with reports that Algeria bought circa 470,000 tonnes of most likely French origin at below replacement prices for the harvest period. Saudi tender will be interesting given they usually they usually buy hard wheat which may be in short supply if conditions in the US, Canada and Australia don't improve. Uh, at least recent rains in the UK have appeased crop concerns for the time being at least uh, crops looking well now after the rains. We could probably just do with a bit more sunshine now as we go forward um, to get the grain fill. Uh, so july feed wheat uh, on the prices uh, is worth 140 to 143x old crop Uh, harvest is worth 130 to 132 and november 134 to 136 old crop milling wheat premiums uh, anyone that's got any left uh, circa five pound overfeed new crop uh, looking at 10 to 12 overfeed obviously depending on the quality Anyone with old crop feed barley is worth 118 to 121. A uh, drop into harvest coming down to 106 to 108, so no incentive to hold on to it. Uh, November 115 to 118. Uh, fluctuation in currency, mentioned before, seeing new crop malting barley values weaken. Uh, new crop spring malting barley is worth 22 to 25 over feed and winter is seven, 7 to 10 pounds lower than the, than the spring's. Uh, Oil seed rate markets uh, have changed direction and shown some signs of improvements recently, breaking a decreasing trend of recent weeks. Dry weather in the US affecting mainly corn and wheat crop is the driver, dragging all seed crops upwards with it. Uh, Funds are short of the soybean contracts, so they could buy their positions back in and cause a sharp move upwards on any indication of weather affecting the growing crops. Uh, Growers are still sellers at £3 a ton X farm, a value which isn't there currently, uh, while crushers seem relaxed, although they have tonnage left to buy for harvest. Old crop markets have not benefited from the rise in the new crop prices, uh, with seeds still on farm and no incentive to carry over. Uh, buyers on the old crop are few and far between. Uh, crushes start to close on the 23rd of November for their annual shutdown, so demand will fall off a cliff if you like. Uh, harvest rape is worth 290x and an 8 to £10 pound carry through to November. Old crop feed bean market is pretty much done and dusted, although shorts in the market are still kicking about, uh, chasing any of beans that are left on farm, which are few and far between, uh, whilst compounders that have beans bought are selling them back to the market uh, to lock in a profit and take them out of the rations. Those with old crop left can make 185 to 190x farm for July. New crop is still thinly traded, crops are looking better after the rains. Uh, feed beans are worth 155x for November. Uh, human consumption a nominal 15 to 20 pound overfeed.
2: That's brilliant. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Tom Miller from Open Field. Now, it may be hard to predict the political forecast at the moment, but uh, what's in store for the week ahead weather-wise?
1: The Farming Programme. Five-day
2: forecast. Well, today starts uh, cloudy, possibility of a shower. Late afternoon sunshine, though, especially into the evening in places. 18 Celsius, the high today. The wind from the southwest, 20 gusting at 30 miles an hour. Dry and clear for a time overnight, clouding over first thing tomorrow morning with lows of 11 Celsius, the wind from the west-southwest, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour, and then showers through Monday, 16, the high, the wind from the west at 20 to 25 miles an hour. It's cloudy Monday into Tuesday, temperatures at around 9 Celsius, the wind dropping down from the west-southwest, starting off around midnight, gusting at uh, maybe 20 miles an hour, but then dropping to about 5 or 6 miles an hour first thing on Tuesday morning. Tuesday itself will see sunny spells, maybe an isolated shower, highs of 19 Celsius, the wind from the southwest 15 miles an hour and then it stays uh, dry and cloudy overnight Tuesday into Wednesday, temperatures 10, 11, maybe 12 Celsius, the wind from the west southwest at 10, occasionally gusting at 20 miles an hour through wednesday another day of sunshine and showers highs speaking at 20 celsius the wind from the west southwest at about 10 miles an hour and then for the latter end of the week well it does look like the possibility of maybe a shower but it should be mostly dry even some sunny spells to come and warming up as well towards the end of the week highs maybe at 22 celsius with overnight lows of again around uh, 10 to 13 celsius That's the forecast. If you're at cereals this week, do look out for us. We will be there, certainly on Wednesday, so uh, do say hello. If you're exhibiting and would like me to come and say hello, then uh, please do get in touch through the website or on social media. And who knows, you might even appear on the programme next week. Whether you're on the programme or not, whether you're at cereals or not, we'll have highlights of the big event on next Sunday's programme. That's uh, next week. Until then, as ever, have a good week's farming.